Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Corinne Bursa here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? Great. I had to do, that's kind of double piece, right? Since there's three of us, not two to start. So uh, doing great. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Corinne, welcome. Thank you, Greg. It's good to be here. Scott, thanks for having me. I don't have a, a, a hand signal introduction, but I will say welcome to all the supply chain movers and shakers. And it's great to be with you and Scott here on the buzz today. So Corinne, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, pass along one that you can just Make all your own. It's from all the trucker community. Live long and prosper. Oh, yeah. So feel Amen. Free to, I got that. <laughs> feel free to use I, I'm that. definitely, I've got the, the trucky in me from uh, from childhood. <laughs> yeah. Is it thumb out or? Uh, you, you know, you thumb called is, me. Thumb doesn't really matter. I don't, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's okay. really. And, and, yeah. and just right then, with just the last 35 seconds, that's the most we've ever spoken about Star Trek in any one <laughs> show in, in supply chain <laughs> history. So we, You're welcome, supply chain <laughs> practitioners. And you know what? In some corner of our global audience, we're letting some folks down that we don't talk more about the supply chain and, and business part of Star Trek. But hey, You're I digress. probably right. Yeah. Um, today, Greg and Corinne, is the Tech Talk edition of the Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories across global business. Many of you will know Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast, hosted by Corinne Bursa, where she talks digital shop with all the movers and shakers across industry. Right, Corinne? That's right. That's right. It's been a lot of fun. So thanks so much for the opportunity to contribute here on Supply Chain Now. You bet. We wouldn't miss it. And you're, uh, I think you're approaching how, roughly how many episodes have we done already on Tech Talk? So we've got 42 published and then uh, wow. a few more that are in the works. Greg, how about that? 42. That is, uh, you know, most podcasts don't get past like 11 or 12 episodes, right? Yeah. I was going to say that's almost four times the average, right? Oh my goodness. I didn't so. realize that. Oh yeah, you're an old pro now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Mover. It and has shaker. gotten easier. Young pro. It, it has, young thank pro. you for switching the descriptive there. Greg. Yeah, well, the hey. check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> it is the tech talk edition of Supply Chain Buzz. You know, so we got some great uh, story to talk about. But folks, we want to hear from you, right? Give us your take on what we're talking about. We're going to share as many comments as we can uh, over the next hour. So buckle up and get ready because we definitely want to hear from you too. Now. Catherine calling it Trek Talk. Did you notice that? No, I <laughs> didn't. Well, speaking of. Ever the quippy one. I think, you know, I don't know what you all think, but we've had some of our behind the scenes folk on the show before. Yes. I think Catherine would be a heck of a lot of fun to have on the show. We should do that. Yeah. Look out, Catherine. They're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> Man, once we've, once we've mentioned it to the audience, nobody <laughs> escapes. Well, speaking of. We're going to share a couple of events here in just a minute, but let's go ahead and, and Clay Phillips, the diesel, is with us here today. Welcome all. Happy Buzz Day. Clay, appreciate what you do. Uh, as Greg pointed out, big big thanks and, and hello to Amanda, Catherine, Chantel, and more, the whole production team that helps us make this happen uh, all the time. Uh, Josh Goody is tuned in. Happy Monday, he says, Corinne and Greg, from a sunny 72-degree Seattle with matching humidity. Nice. Wow. 
Nice. I, I got to tell you, I'm envious. I don't know about you all, but Josh, 72 sounds pretty tasty right now, doesn't <laughs> it? Josh, we got to have pictures. We got to get, give us uh, a great picture of where you are in Seattle and send that to us. We'll share that on a future episode of The Buzz. Uh, I mentioned Catherine. Catherine says, happy, happy Monday all. Jonathan, Jonathan's back with us. Jonathan, how all you right. doing? Uh, he hails from Louisiana. Good morning to you as well. Shelly Phillips is back in the house with us. Good morning from sunny Colorado, she says. We've got to get a picture of that too, right, Corinne and Greg? Yeah, right. I, especially now, man, it's, I mean, if you're up in the mountains, it's beautiful up there. Yeah. And they're already starting to look towards winter. That is right? right. The north rim of the Grand Canyon is closed. It's really it's already, yeah, the, the threat of snow is already there. Huh. Very strange. You don't think of it being that. No, summer is very short. The when I lived in Denver, I learned that, and that the weather can change very quickly okay, in okay. Colorado. You can go from, you know, nearly a hundred degrees to the very next day snow or sleet. Okay, um, so it's pretty shocking. All right, so the gauntlet's been thrown down. Shelley and Josh, y'all got to send some pictures. Uh, Conchin. Tuned in from India via LinkedIn. Great to have you here today. Let me let me know if I didn't get your first name right. We try to get everybody's first names, everybody's names right. Uh, I can butcher them from time to time, but great to have you here. Uh, David Glover, feels like fall here in southern Minnesota. Happy Monday all, all via LinkedIn. Great to have you here with us, David. One of our faves. You may have already missed the two weeks of summer in Minnesota. <laughs> right. Uh, one of our faves, uh, Corinne and Greg, Donna Krejci is in the cheap seats via LinkedIn. Hello, Scott, Greg, and Corinne. Happy Monday. Great to see you, Donna. And by the way, uh, she has a surprise birthday party for her daughter, Allison, who co-hosts some of the shows here, Corinne and Greg. Um, and, how did it go? I want well, to know how it went. Uh, so I, I, I've only exchanged a couple emails, quick emails with Donna. But what Donna did is, without telling Allison, she was able to bring in lots of her aunts and uncles and cousins and friends, and they all surprised her Friday night for a big birthday. So Donna, that is so awesome. Hope you all had a great weekend. Muhammad. I hope Allison likes surprises. I'm thinking <laughs> considering her role, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. That's right. Muhammad <laughs> from Malaysia is tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. Looking forward to your perspective. Beautiful um, country. I love Malaysia. Oh man. It'd be awesome to visit. Uh, Parashim. 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 Uh, regardless. Hello. Welcome in via YouTube. That's an easy channel to, to, to view each uh, and every Monday at 12 noon. And uh, let's see, we got some other folks. Natalie's back with us. Natalie says, a cool climate sound nice as I sit in Charlotte waiting for a trip to Charleston, South Carolina. Ooh, How about that? Man, uh, buckle your seatbelt, Natalie, because when you get to Charleston, you're going to learn what humidity is. That's right. That is right. Uh, Sophia, the rock and roll star, is back with us. Corinne. Whoa. I would definitely loop her in. You see the movers and shakers you're already always talking about. Sophia fits fits right in there, right? She certainly does. Sophia, it's been a while. I'm so glad you're with us today. We are. Yeah, too. let's hear what she's up to. That's right. Sophia. And where? <laughs> and where, yes. Give us an update. Where is she Sophia? moving and shaking in the supply chain? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh Sharon is tuned in from the United Kingdom. Uh, sending a big hello. Best weather today. Cool. Finally, Sharon, that uh, oh, that is great news. That is great news. So from our entire supply chain, our family wishing you and all of our, our friends in the UK, across the UK, um, much cooler weather. So that's been a, a tough couple weeks to follow. 
Have either of you been in England for a heat wave? Not before. I have. I have. And I, I um, actually witnessed a supply chain disruption. All of the coffee shops, of course, had switched to iced coffee. And Greg, there mm. was a shortage on ice. Wow. And so of course, there because lines. there isn't much use for ice in England, right? Well, this was Usually. in the summer. So it was July. I can't remember if it was the end of July or early August. But there were lines outside of most of the coffee um, retailers that were, you know, kind of wrapped around the block. And it was because their ice machines could not keep pace with people ordering iced coffee versus mm. hot coffee. Wow. Okay. Well, I was in Maidstone, which is east of London, um, far east of London, and had stayed in this one particular hotel seven or eight times, didn't realize it didn't have air conditioning until it was 103 degrees and, and then uh, got there a day early to get prepared, spent the whole day up the hill at the Chiltern Hundreds uh, pub working, eating outstanding Thai food, by the way, and maybe having a beverage <laughs> or two, or two <laughs> too many, yes. <laughs> All right. So join us next week for Greg and Corinne's travel adventures. <laughs> That's right. Uh, on the Travels in a heat wave. <laughs> so, Thanks for joining us, folks. Two, two more quick comments, and we're going to jump into our first story. So Natalie says, Charleston's a favorite spot. The humidity just means a different hairstyle. Think Monica on Friends. I love that, Natalie. Uh, and Sophia says, still in Guadalajara. But I definitely need to go visit you all in Atlanta. Come on up. We'd love to Come have you. Come on. Yeah, wait till it cools down, though, Sophia. <laughs> that is right. And Sophia's got some a tip here. My advice to sur survive a heat wave is actually drinking hot coffee. You rise your you raise your body temperature, and the external temperature will feel cooler. Hmm. How about Isn't that? Isn't that interesting? It is. All right. So, uh, Sophia, that sounds like a marketing opportunity. <laughs> that's yeah. Right. <laughs> well, hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. And, and Sharon is confirming what you shared. Corinne is correct. Ice also sold for three times its normal price in some places, as you were sharing your, your experience, Corinne. Thank you for that, uh, Sharon. And most importantly, it's so great to see the UK getting some relief here lately. Okay. Yeah. Uh, welcome everybody. Looking forward to hearing y'all's take on what we're talking about here today. Really quick, I mean, we got three events we're going to share really quick here. The first one is um, uh, we're honored to be part of this Veterans and Logistics event hosted by Redwood Logistics tomorrow. That is at 10:30 Central Time, 11:30 Eastern Time. Uh, it's about a 90-minute webinar. You got to register. Uh, we'll drop a link in the comments. But if you're a veteran or a military member or family member that is interested in the logistics space, um, in particular, join us for this event. We're going to talk on um, uh, Kathy is uh, Mara Robertson. What a get, great get is that? She's going to offer logistics trends for the first 30 minutes. Uh, Steve Rose and a, a Marine vet and a, a Navy vet are going to join and share about their transition experiences, including some best practices. And then Dr. Rhonda, one of our favorites here, is going to talk about you know how can you you know, balance that mental health and wellness angle. So join us. You got to register, but join us, and you've got the links in the comments. Uh, and then, really quick, webinar. Our next webinar is August second. Three ways to stay afloat through the supply chain crisis: a distributor story. Greg has talked about how that can be a really unique aspect of industry. 
Uh, join mm-hmm. us for that August 2nd, special time at 1130 Eastern time. And then finally, we got James Malley and the Packurate team, the heavy-hitting Packurate team, Greg, back with us. Uh, he's bringing a little-known supply chain uh, mover and shaker, Stored. So they're back with us uh, August 10th at 12 noon, talking about the ripple effect of shipping less air. Funny how circular that is, because that's something that distributors always, everyone always tries to do is ship less air. So yes, indeed, yep. ship less air. Ship. <laughs> There's a company name there. Um, all right, uh, really quick, Eric. Great to have you here from Ecuador. Uh, looking forward to hearing you know any of your take on what we talk about here today. Uh, there via LinkedIn, Josh is confirming the price hike of ice. That's going to be an early theme here. Uh, that hefty price of ice. Uh, uh, globally, maybe, and especially in the UK. Um, all right, so let's get down to business. So I want to start, Corinne and Greg. We'll pull up our first uh, graphic here because I want to start with a really interesting take on an article from Supply Chain Dive that Gre- uh, Greg gave last week. He was talking about some of his perspective on this article that focused on how supply chain disruption has impacted consumer buying patterns. He shared some of his, and then he got a lot of responses from across the market fo- from folks sharing theirs. So Greg, tell us more, and I think we're going to drop a link to it uh, in the comments. Yeah, what's really cool about this article is it was really a roundup of other articles about how companies had changed their policies, their supply chain and and procurement practices, if not policies, to adapt to shortages and outages and disruptions and all of these things. And what it made me think was uh, all of that is in ultimately impacted by the consumer and how the consumer makes their de- their decisions and their choices in these disruptive times. So what I wanted to do was kind of explore how people had changed their patterns of purchasing and and how it had impacted them. I relate a couple stories of my, of my own um, I've experienced some quality issues that have forced me to make some other brand choices, availability issues, of course, um, and honestly made one switch in terms of candy <laughs> that I'm really glad I went back to because I had forgotten <laughs> how much I love the Whatchamacallit bar. I think we talked a little bit about this one day last week, right? Yeah. Well, um, mostly the Whatchamacallit <laughs> bar. That's per- all we really talked about. Right. <laughs> Well, uh, folks, you got to check it out. Let us know what preferences, how you know supply chain has shaped yours. And Corinne, I'm coming to get your take next, but it's really interesting what Greg just painted. You know, consumers, you know, supply chains react to what consumers want, and so then you know, supply chains do what they do, and then what emerges, warts and all, mm-hmm. makes consumers adjust their buying buying patterns and behaviors and preferences again. So it's a really interesting cycle. But Corinne, what does this make you think of your take? uh, Have have any of your preferences or patterns changed? Well, my personal preferences and patterns have changed a little bit. Um, You know, I've actually seen service drop off in recent months where in the midst of the pandemic, it seemed like it was better. Um, So, you know, with home delivery and different things. So I've actually noticed that that delivery aspect being different or the e-commerce providers or retailers um, not doing as well in notifying me as a consumer when things are going to be late, right? It's one thing to expect the date that you, you know, got when you placed your order. 
Um, and if there's a change, you know, I'm, I'm a big one for just let me know there's a change. Otherwise, I'm, I'm looking for the delivery. So I, I have seen personally a couple of different uh, retailers that are direct to consumer uh, dropping the ball a little bit. Right. Mm. You, you know, um, that's a great point. And I think one of the things, you know, Greg, I, I responded to you there in your in your summary that when I yeah. think of like the, the items we purchase, at least I purchased at a grocery store, I'm real basic. Um, and so most of those preferences haven't changed or, or habits or whatever. But as Corinne points out, Corinne, one of the things certainly over the last, um, you know, call it two years is I think our expectations in particular yeah. eating out. And especially as we're all kind of coming back and, and you know, labor's tough for everybody, you know, finding good people, you know, to, uh, 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 workers is tough for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. I think our expectations of, um, you know, service time, wait time, you know, certainly we expect to pay more. I think that's probably where I think subconsciously, um, uh, Greg, maybe where some of our expectations have, have shifted, at least in the Luton household. Uh, but Greg, I'll give you the final word here on this first topic. Yeah, I think um, I, that is definitely true because inflation has impacted people's decision-making, right? Availability, Corinne, service level, to your point, and quality. I mean, look, I'm a, I guess I think I'm basic. I was, I was interested by your, <laughs> your comment there because I guess I think I'm basic, right? I just like my rice checks, but I don't <laughs> like my rice checks mixed with corn checks. And, it, and I think, I, I don't know if I relayed this whole story, but but several times I bought the brand of checks and I can tell they have not adequately cleared the line or cleaned the line. I don't think dirty, but they've left enough residue from the prior run yep. that it tastes like rice and corn checks mixed. And I hate that. Yep. So thankfully, whoever makes these things, probably also General Mills for uh, Kroger, whatever is happening there, the quality is much, much better. Yep. And and I'm also and and now think about this also. I mean, this is not 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 um, I'm not taking a shot at General Mills. This is just a fact, right? Now I've realized I can have as good or in at least in these this moment yeah. better quality for a third of the price. Yeah. Will I ever go back to checks? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So is that so that's the private label brand that, yeah. that we're seeing better quality on? You know, that's yeah. really interesting, Greg, because I think we're going to continue to see consumers trying some of the private label brands, whether it's from availability, quality, price, price. pressure, most likely price. Right? Yeah. You know, but these are times, times like these when we as consumers do make switches. And if we find comparable quality for a lower price, you may lose a customer. That's right. Well, you know what? I can tell you there are a couple brands that have really stood out. Um, Intamins, those chocolate covered donuts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm totally addicted to those things. And their quality has maintained and availability is maintained throughout. And there are others, of course, but but it's funny. It's almost like it's almost the exception that proves the rule that there are some companies who've maintained availability and quality and to some extent price. Think about Costco. Their CEO, right. when asked if he would ever raise the price of their $1.50 hot dog and soda um, combination, said flatly no. Really? How about that? Well, you Do you know, I wasn't aware of that. Um, I know... Um, I, I'm aware now. My college age son actually 
mention that to me, that it, it, it has been and will always be a buck 50. I'm like, oh, that's crazy talk. So it's interesting to hear you say the exact same thing. Uh, yeah. That seems really inexpensive for, right. you know, for that combo. Yeah, no doubt. You know that, and I can't, it's just outside of my reach here, Greg and Corinne, my wastebasket, because I was going to ask you to where the best place to put rice checks are. And I can't quite use that prop because they all belong in the trash, <laughs> Greg. That is terrible cereal. Um, but I still, you, can, you don't like it at all? You can pick on General Mills all you want. They got a plant around the corner here in Covington, Georgia. But Man, they're coming to get you. They don't, <laughs> they don't make Fruity Pebbles. And that's been, for all time, my favorite cereal. You got to eat it real quick because it gets soggy. But po so Post makes Fruity Pebbles. And yes, gotcha. Sophia is sharing uh, uh, the observation that, yes, Greg has a sweet tooth. Maybe sweet teeth. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm lucky to have teeth, honestly. <laughs> right. All right. Hey, really quick. Some other great comments here. Uh, going back to shipping air, Jonathan says, I believe air is average around 4% of the total transportation spend. I love that. That is some expensive air. <laughs> Think about yes. that. Um, let's see here. Muhammad is talking about uh, consumers getting uh, being sensitive to the sustainability agenda, i.e. the Paris Agreement 2050, especially on climate change and the shortage of foods around the world. That's certainly, I think a lot of folks are taking that into consideration when it comes to buying patterns. Uh, consumers are certainly much more informed, as we all know. It's a great point, Muhammad. Peter Peter Bole all night and all day. Where you been? We've missed you. He's working for a living. <laughs> Again, I don't know. He, right. he cannot enjoy retirement. He's got, working. He's got too much to give, Corinne and Greg. That's true. Uh, he says he's been absent for a while, learning a lot of new things with his new role uh, with Optimum Strategies. So, uh, PB, hope this finds you well and appreciate the update. Let us know what you're thinking. On what we're talking about here today, uh, he does say put uh, Ovaline, Ovaltine, Ovaltine on rice checks. It's going to taste one hundred percent better. How about that, Greg? That's like that's like a. I, I think that was like a healthy chocolate drink, right? Yeah, I've I've seen the commercials. Remember the code never tried it from the Christmas story, right? Ovaltine, the code. He was trying to crack the code. Remember that? I'm, I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. that was Ovaltine commercial. But hey, yeah, um, I digress a bit. All right, one final comment from Natalie, and we're going to keep trucking. Natalie says, quality of digital purchases have made me more aware of sellers and shippers. If I don't recognize them, I'm not going to chance the purpose, uh, the purchase rather. It's great. Funny she says that. I made her what may have been a risky purchase yesterday, and we'll find out by Thursday. I'll, I'll let you know okay. when I find out. Well, hey, really quick, uh, Corinne and Greg, looking at the team chat uh, kind of behind the scenes. Amanda loves checks. Catherine loves rice checks. Um, so I might be outnumbered by far here. But uh, all right. So, hey, if you do a little fun question, you know, since we're all talking cereal and we all probably have our own personal preferences, uh, drop your favorite cereal into the chat. Let's see. Let's see who's got uh, where, where the common threads come from. Russ Thorne, Corinne, you know, our friend, our dear friend, Russ Thorne, a.k.a. Hello, the judge. Russ. Yes. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine, he says, straight from the commercial. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> so, clearly a fan. I didn't know Russ was a paid spokesman for Ovaltine, Corinne and Greg. I didn't know Ovaltine still existed, does it? <laughs> okay. Well, hey, Somebody look it up and let us yeah, know. Check please. that out. Hey, really quick. Up front, we were talking about this supply chain disruption, change buying patterns in the first half of 2022. Great article uh, via Supply Chain Dive. And we also linked to Greg's uh, supply chain summary, where we'd love to get your take. Uh, that's earlier in the comments. But moving right along, uh, Corinne, 
uh, in our second article, we're talking about uh, research data uh, that really explores 11 technologies that are truly shaping, transforming, you name it, global supply chains. So tell us more about this. Yeah, this was some, this was some really good research done by um, Material Handling and Deloitte. And what I, what I took away from it is that we are moving from evolutions, those small incremental changes, to really revolution. And it is probably no surprise to our supply chain now audience. But um, many of these changes that have happened as a result of the global pandemic are going to stick. Yep. However, some of the adoption rates are not quite as high as anticipated. And so I do think that we need to take a good, hard look at keeping that momentum going. So if we get investment in digital initiatives, it's up to us as supply chain leaders to make sure we get through that messy middle and gaining traction on those improvement initiatives. Um, So just a little encouragement there. But the global pandemic, so 87% of the respondents, yeah, you've got that chart here, 87% said that these changes are going to be altered strategically, permanently for their businesses. And, and um, excuse me, did I say 70, 87%? And then 78% said that it actually accelerated their transformations as a result of the pandemic. However... Greg, did you see as you went through some of that data, it shows we had high hopes and we've got lower adoption rates. Yeah, it's um, astounding, isn't it? It is, it is. But when you look at their five-year projection, so if you guys are are watching um, the video here, you'll see that that's stacked pretty high and the five-year adoption rates in all 11 areas are really, really aggressive. Um, but uh, some of the some of the things that stood out to me is uh, the areas of technology investment. So a few of these won't be surprises to uh, to our audience here. Um, but you'll see things like cloud computing. And what surprised me is um, security didn't show up on that top eleven list. I don't know if that's getting rolled into leveraging cloud computing, right? Because that's been a big motivator for companies to get better protection of their data, their plans, their collaboration with trading partners. Um, Lots of investment in sensors, automatic ID, internet of things. And I think that that is going to continue. So I'm excited to see that and to see the impact of, process automation as well as robotic um, automation, uh, because I do think automation as a theme is going to be really important um, because, Greg, as you know, we've got a talent shortage mm-hmm. and, and there are two jobs for every skilled resource available. Mm. And, and I think that that is going to continue well into 2030. So that's good news for our team here. Um, of supply chain movers and shakers around the globe, because that means you're going to have lots of opportunity to contribute in meaningful ways. But at the same time, it really pushes the envelope on needing some of that optimization and automation to be realized in your business. So don't get stuck in the messy middle. Continue to push through on the adoption 
of those tech trends and um, and reap the rewards of that hard work and those investments. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of stuff to dive yeah. into. We need a couple hours here, but Greg, your your quick take. What well, well, uh, to to the point, Corinne, you made that there were a couple things that just astounded me, and that is that even though we talk a lot about tech adoption, in the last year, tech adoption went down in all eleven of those categories, and um, and since 2016, all of the one, all of the top currently utilized categories, they've all gone down since since 2016, which tells me that we're behind the curve for a couple of reasons. One, we're always subject to budget, and that was mentioned several times by the by the um, surveyed survey participants um, that they didn't feel like they had enough budget on some of these products. The other thing that management leaders were uh, concerned about was, to Corinne's point, they don't feel like they have the people in, Corinne, yep. if I had just a nickel for every time I've heard that when when attempting to get a company to implement technology, I don't think our people can handle it. We don't have enough people, whatever. Um, that, you know, uh, well, I, we'd all be billionaires. Um, <laughs> the, we'd all be buying uh, Twitter. Right. right. Or, so, yeah. or something else. Right. Or taking it private <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, but but I, I, I think that, uh, as you as you said, a lot of the newer technologies are finally starting to take hold and they're starting to grow overall and have grown overall uh, in in the past six years, six years since 2016. That's the window that this analyzed, right? It is Almost indeed, seven. yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you look at some of the motivators, it's that they recognize they need new business models or new operating models, right? Yeah. And we can't exchange what we want in the long term, which are those new efficient models for what's easy today. And that happens, right? So it's easier for me to just, you know, do it in the Excel spreadsheet that I'm doing it in today. Um, and that just delays that benefit. I mean, that that just pushes that opportunity down the road. And when that happens, we've got to go back and resell the initiative internally, right? We've made an investment um, and it just slows the adoption. And, and so I think you've got to stay focused. You've got to see those through, get out of that kind of mess, messy middle, and you're going to approach it as a learning opportunity. It's um, easier to wall in mud is what you're saying. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> running, like running in quicksand, right? Oh, yeah, companies companies truly do. They what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Not always the case. Right. It still could kill you, but it just kills you really slowly. Right. And I think, you know, what, there's a couple things here. One is we need to confess that there are jobs that human beings will never, ever take again, and, or they will take in very, very low measure, and we just need to automate them. I think automation and autonomous is a huge part of the future of supply chain. Yep. And, and the other is that people... Uh, Technologists who are building technologies, these technologies that have take all this customization and all these hundreds of hours, thousands of hours to implement, they need to make technology more app-like. Mm -hmm. They need to make it more easily adoptable so that people who are used to easily adoptable technology, which are Gen Xers, Gen Yers, and Gen Zers, that they can easily adopt technology and the capability with data and the advancement of technology exists today 
to do that. Mm -hmm. And when we come to those and, and capitalize on those two recognitions, things will change dramatically because there are ways to solve this problem, even if you don't have, and especially if you don't have faith in your people or enough people. And those are two of the biggest problems that I have seen in supply chain forever. Well, so, and, and Scott, one yeah. quick thought. Um, in doing that, you can't keep doing 100% of what your day job is if you're involved or engaged in a transformation initiative, mm. right? And that's where yep. the burnout happens and we're taking these valuable resources and we're just overloading them. Mm. And they yep. want to make the changes. They just don't have the time in their calendar to do that and focus on what's next and how do we help drive that transformation. So um, I, I do think that that is something that's not just uh, happening today. It has happened, Greg, as you've said, for decades in the marketplace. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we've got lots of comments we're going to get to here in a I second. Bet. But, Including um, about food, I bet. <laughs> How'd you know? Um, but uh, two quick thoughts uh, from, again, we're talking about this. Um, it was actually MHI data that the Supply Chain yeah. Dive reported on. I've got a couple of quick graphics here I'll share. But uh, one point, one bit of a surprise, at least to me, when it came to the robotics automation section, according to participants, only 39% of them said that it has the potential to create a competitive advantage. I thought that was way too low. Um, and then secondly, I think something that we all expected to see that the research showed is that when it comes to blockchain, only 20% of respondents cited a lack of understanding the technology um, as a hindrance. And, and that was the highest figure in terms of that lack of understanding out of all 11 technologies. And that that parrots, at least for me, every single blockchain conversation I think we've had on here and, and everywhere uh, everywhere else. Um, but your contention is you think lack of understanding is a much bigger percentage. No, uh, going back to on robotics or automation, that only 39%, I think that, that surprised me. I, I thought that point would be much higher. It doesn't mean that you can get to it today, kind of to what both of you are speaking to earlier, but to ignore the impact it can have on an operation, on an organization, on your competitive advantage uh, for your people, you know, to make their jobs easier, um, uh, to serve your consumers, your customers better. You know, I think I think that to see that that figure was only 39% was a big surprise for me. You know what I think about that number? What's that? I actually thought quite the opposite and that, but I realize your point is probably dead on. Um, I thought of it as more people realizing that automation is now table stakes. It's not an, it's not a competitive advantage or, or differentiator. You're behind if you're not automating. Mm. I, and I wonder if that's not the perspective that they have. I think it's far more likely what you said, Scott, um, that people don't see it as an advantage and therefore aren't engaging in it. But it's already it, assumed. It's not, you're not saying. an advantage. Yeah. But you, you are at a distinct disadvantage if you are not getting there agreed and, and, right? and to your point it might be kind of like what corinne said about cybersecurity. it's already kind of assumed it's in there yeah uh, so it, it'd be, you know I'm, I'm only i've only reviewed the supply chain dive article that that kind of covers the key takeaways i might have to sign up and get it and download the actual um data with all of their um i'm sure there's there's probably a couple pages on the front end of of clarifications and disclaimers and whatnot, but it's, it's a fascinating piece of information. And Corinne, I appreciate you bringing it to us and giving it your yeah. take here on the tech talk version of the supply chain buzz. Your final word, Corinne. 
So yeah, I, I agree. The report is actually really good. The research report. If if um, any of our listeners want to download that, I would encourage you to do so. My last thought is, Greg, I was where you are in the robotics adoption. I was thinking it was table stakes, but I like yeah. Scott's perspective on it. I think you're right. I think Scott is probably on point. That's My final thought likely, on blockchain yeah. is that. We're not yet seeing the benefits of the commercial impact on blockchain, but it's still lots of education. And I want to encourage our listeners to to listen to the Tech Talk episode that was done with the one and only Kevin L. Jackson on Blockchain Basics. So that's episode 739. Um, It's on the Supply Chain Now website, or you can um, link to it wherever you get your podcasts. But Kevin does a really good job of taking us through just some of those basics so that you can be much more conversational inside your teams on where you might be able to adopt and leverage blockchain to make a competitive advantage. That's a great call out. Uh, and let's, uh, Amanda, Catherine, if we can, let's drop the, the direct link to that episode, at least the episode page in the comments, because it's, it's a great educational piece to level set um, what, what's going on in the block with blockchain technology. Um, okay. We've got a lot to catch up on, Greg and Corinne. We've got one more uh, story we're going to be reporting on, but let's catch up on comments, okay? So buckle up because it's going to be a little bit here. Let's start. Let's go way back to the cereal portion because I think everyone yeah. loves talking their favorite cereals and whatnot. Uh, let's see. Natalie, big fan of Golden Grahams. I remember those tasty. <laughs> those Golden Graham commercials in the eighties. Y'all remember that? They were skateboarding and playing basketball. It could have been no, a are Golden Grahams that old. I thought my kids introduced me to Golden Grahams. Uh, Holy mackerel! I don't know. I, I, wow. Yes, Peter Bolay. I love how he prefaces this at one time. Captain Crunch. See, when I say Fruity Pebbles, it's not at one time. I can you eat mean them now? Today is there? So yeah, and I, I don't eat them as much as I would like, but. I can feel my teeth rotting when I eat Captain Crunch, but I still love it. That was my can, brother's favorite growing oh, up. Really? Captain Crunch. God, yes. it is so delicious. It is. <laughs> Jonathan says Reese's Puffs. We have to check that out. Uh, Peter says Ovaltine is very alive and well in Canada. It's still a okay. still thing. Uh, Grayson, Grayson, I don't know how you Cheerios. Big fan of Cheerios. He says, I, I don't get Cheerios, and and, and I'm one of the few because. They're very popular globally. There's like 20 different brands. So clearly there's a big demanding market. But, and Greg, I saw you sh- kind of put your head in your hands. I guess you're a Cheerios fan. Like if, I'm not eating, if I'm not eating a sweet cereal, it's going to be Cheerios. Though I have to tell you, that's another cereal that I've stopped buying because I, I can taste the quality difference. I wonder <laughs> if Grayson, as a big fan, has noticed any difference in flavor. So Grayson, tune in. Grin? Greg, I'm going to take you back to your article that you were talking about because one of the strategies for those shortages is reformulation. Yes, that's and right. So I think that you're hitting on that without even recognizing it. But yeah. I, I think that we're seeing a lot of reform formulation in our, you know, packaged food goods yep. in the industry. And it is changing taste or texture or selection as well. Yeah, I, you're dead on. That's a good that's, that's a great. good call out, Brent. 
They must not have done it on the whatchamacallit, or maybe they did, and it's even better ingredients because it is so tasty. Better than I remember. I don't whatchamacallit, so I'm going to have to try that. Uh, I definitely remember that, and and they had some some legendary commercials uh, back in the day, too. Um, I'm an old-school whatchamacallit fan, Scott. I don't know if you even remember this. You might have been a baby when this was happening. Whatchamacallit didn't used to have caramel in it. It used to just be chocolate over peanut butter covered Rice Krispies or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then they added caramel to it, and I didn't like it as much. Now I've learned to accept that? it. Man, okay. Well, by the way, Amanda says in the team chat, private team chat, that, quote, fruity pebbles are trash, Scott, end quote. So uh, that's funny. All right. So let's get to the more serious. So uh, Peter Bole is big fan of Frosted Flakes. Oh, that's yeah. That's good. Um, hello, Ishmael. From Egypt, who's working on his PhD. It's wonderful. Great to have you here. Um, and then we get down to some more work related. Uh, what we're oh, here for. Good. <laughs> so, Muhammad's got a couple of great points here. Uh, first off, he agrees with Corinne, the most crucial to ensure the success and sustainability on digital. Uh, I can never say this word. Digital, digitalization transformation is about the actual return on investment from the technology adoption. It is yep. important, as he says, to ensure the new technology and supply chain really meets the objectives. That's a great, great uh, point. Very well said, uh, Bahamut. Um, and let's see here. Natalie, going back to what you both were speaking to, <laughs> this is good, about uh, getting, you know, doing the work while you're transforming the work. She says, yep. a friend described this path as the hell, 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 glory <laughs> cycle. <laughs> Very, paints quite a, uh, quite a picture there, Natalie. Um, let's see here. Peter's weighing in kind of on Muhammad's earlier comment about how he um, you got to uh, clearly define your requirements prior to engaging in solution discussion. Very few of them, maybe very, uh, very few of them meet your basic needs and need alterations that will drive costs upwards. Well said, Peter, like a can I amend that slightly? Please, yeah, because I think this is what Peter is saying also, and that is. Don't define what the solution should do. Mm. Define the outcome that the solution should should, uh, deliver. Because too many companies, when they implement a technology, they say, I want it to do X, Y, and Z. What they ought to say is, I want the outcome to be X, our current outcome, times two. And if they would do that, most technology and implementation companies can get them there, where these technology implementations tend to derail is where companies say, this is how we want to do it. Well yeah. said. So, yeah. Well said. Um, I want to get, uh, Peter also mentions, he's got a couple of things. I'm going to choose this one though. No code, uh, coupled with artificial intelligence. Um, Corinne, Greg, any, any thoughts here, especially on the no code side? Well, so, I mean, artificial intelligence is real and it's coming and it's getting wrapped into all of the leading solutions in different areas. Um, I I think that, you know, having that delivered in a cloud gets you closer. Um, But even with no code, with, with the ability to connect and build, if you will, your capabilities, um, you've got to be seeing that full process through, as Greg said, Mm. what that outcome is focused on, you know, that outcome and then figuring out how it starts to be delivered and how you leverage your available technology to do that. I love the, um, I love the story around no code. I'm just not seeing it running large, complex, uh, large, complex 
um, businesses yet today. Oh, Corinne, I know you're pulling a, an important, pushing an important button with Greg on your last comment there. Greg, quick comment on no code. Yeah, two things. Uh, AI um, and no code have the high uh, probability of being misapplied, right? AI, for instance, you know my beef with how we postcast instead of forecast these days. AI helps you do dumb things faster. And no code allows people who want A, B, and C instead of outcome X times two to, to make sure A, B, and C happen. And I think that's a, the real risk is having completely unqualified people to define and scope a, a process toward an outcome, yep. giving them the ability to do that. Yep. Now, I think for visibility of data, that is very highly customized per, to a particular role, to Corinne's point, something a little bit more contained. Um, I think we have to confess that not everybody in every company knows how to solve a problem effectively. That's why there are people who do it for a profession and get paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour. Yep. So yes. um, I think that that's not to say that no code and AI are not applicable. Of course they are. But it's like giving a four-year-old a nuclear <laughs> weapon and asking them to save the earth <laughs> in some cases, right? All right. So. Along those lines, I want to share this comment here from uh, Jonathan. Greg is cracking me up while I'm forecasting. So, Greg, <laughs> don't be interfering with the good value-driven work that Jonathan's doing. Um, all right. Uh, Muhammad says blockchain is a future. I'm sure I'm sure if he's forecasting right now, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. He's probably going, gosh, like I did many years ago. I never really thought about it this way. We are. <laughs> right. Um, Muhammad's talking about blockchain is the future integrity of world uh, the world of business. That's a great point there. Uh, certainly is. one and of the games. Therefore, in many cases, being um, being um, issued by many many companies and and people who don't want the scrutiny right. that that or the accountability that blockchain provides, right. and that's part of the problem with blockchain is it provides so much accountability and scrutiny in a process where there is a unquestionably, and I know this from personal experience, a lot of bad actors doing a lot of bad things. So why don't we make the next practical use case of blockchain? Let's apply it to Washington, D.C., right? Yeah. I mean, well, so let's I don't pour know if you that know sunshine Georgia, in. You know? There is a Georgia Tech professor trying to use blockchain to assure election integrity, for instance. Yes. And he is getting an incredible amount of pushback from the political parties because there is advantage to both political parties right. to that lack of integrity. Well, and, and for me, it's, if I can continue my my poor joke, beyond elections, it's the budgeting, it's lobbying, it's, it's, it's the whole oh, yeah. mechanism, it's the whole ecosystem. Let's pour some sunshine into it all and watch different things scurry. But, and Greg, that is very apolitical to your point. It's just, the, it's the system. But yeah. putting that aside, um, I want to share, so uh, share this quick comment here from Sophia, and then I've got, we got to segue to our third story. But Sophia says, she's with Peter here. She's seen higher resistance to change when experiencing digital transformation led by an external partner. Yeah, um, that's always going to happen. Right. Uh, sometimes, a lot of times that can be, you know, you're doing it to the team rather than with the team when it's led by that external partner. So Sophia, great yeah. call out. Um, Excellent point. You have to do that the right way. And as a wise friend of mine also said, yes, 
when this sort of change is occurring in your company, you need, either need to change your people or change your people. Mm. <laughs> I thought you were looking for a prop there, Greg. I'm like, okay, what is he? Well, I'm, what I'm looking for is a power cord because okay. I just realized that. <laughs> oh, you're about to, okay, we're about to lose Greg. But Corinne, um, one quick comment here. So I was talking to the team uh, on Slack, right? We do a lot of Slack in here at Supply Chain now, Corinne and Greg. And yep. uh, I was talking about one process or one aspect of the business here that we're really about to um, to um, transform, right? And so uh, I was I was uh, kind of um, encouraging one of our team members to keep rowing because we're about to put an Evan Rude on the back of that boat. And <laughs> the response was, I had to look up what Evan Rude was, but okay, <laughs> now I'm with you. So, so, so I love you. I won't, won't name names, but uh, I love uh, that response, and, and I love the person behind it. So, okay. Well, obviously, we need to get more of our people to the lakes. I was going to say they didn't grow up on the water. <laughs> we, yeah, we need a team building exercise at the lake. Uh, that's right. That's right. By the way, Sophia says Greg is a serial sommelier. So, <laughs> so <laughs> all right. So we got it. Okay, we got to. Uh, hang on a second. I'm sure one more. Catch up. There's so many great comments uh but not together greg right not together. no never <laughs> we can't get to all these great comments say um gloria mar says put those requirements in writing develop a great rfp have others look at your process with a different mindset so they can also suggest a solution gloria mar you're talking our language really appreciate you sharing okay We've got to get to our final story here today. We've got 12.48. We're going to be coming down the home stretch fast and furiously. Um, and we want to talk about uh, U.S. Bank's freight payment index. So let me pull up my notes here. So uh, to level set a little bit, uh, the most recent, this thing comes out quarterly. Uh, and it's focused on, you know, U.S. Bank handles billions of dollars of transactions uh, which is 37 billion, right? Yes, sir. You, you, you uh, took my data point right from me. Uh, I'm Greg. sorry, Scott. Uh, I thought, you know, when we do this, usually I'm the one who says 37. Yes, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, primarily that's where the data's come from. Cause as Greg points out, $37 billion worth of freight related transactions that us bank handled just in 2021. Right. So each quarter they release this freight payment index, which shows its findings from the accumulation of the data. And of course, our team here pairs that data, she's usually led by Bobby Holland from US Bank, and we we bring an executive practitioner to the conversation to you know get them to share, agree and disagree with what they're seeing out in the market, right? From a practitioner standpoint. So a couple of quick findings from the most recent one. Again, this is focused, Corinne and Greg, on the domestic freight market, coast to coast. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not mm -hmm. um, a global uh, freight uh, report. So the second quarter report, shipping volumes in second quarter were up over first quarter 2022 nationally, but were a bit off from where they were in 2021. On the other hand, as most folks might imagine, spend was up, up, up in a way, up over first quarter, right? Second quarter 2022 up over first quarter of the same year and up dramatically, almost 20% from this point last year, right? And we all have some... Uh, some um, bad actors that we're all familiar with, right? Or, or uh, co common conditions that we can all point to. But one quick data point, speaking of those, diesel fuel, Greg and Corinne. Mm -hmm. This has been uh, problematic for quite some time. At least last week, it was, it was averaging five fifty a gallon nationally, which was up 68% from the same point in time 
uh, in from last year. So up almost 70% per gallon. So, um, Greg, one more call out before I'll get your quick thoughts. We had a great discussion with uh, our friend Donovan from the Clorox company. But to our listeners, and in case you don't get this report already, it's free to sign up. We've got the link here. We'll drop the link in the comments. But what I also like about it is it breaks things up. These aren't the biggest graphics, but it breaks things up into five regions. So while a lot of it, you know, there's two main themes. It's offering national observations, and then it drills in offers these regional observations. But, uh, Greg, enough of me talking about it. Uh, your thoughts? Opportunism. I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm in uh, Raising Arizona. On the one hand, <laughs> you got opportunism, and on the other hand, you got people taking advantage. I do declare uh, there's been a murder. Uh, the, I'm here. That, that is unquestionably what's happening here. It is unquestionably what's happening as inflation generally peaks, as we can see, because it's earning season for public companies. They are taking advantage of inflation and they're boosting their gross margins. And, and likewise, with fuel costs, that's been happening. Let me also point out that let, let's not try to point the finger at diesel fuel prices because, by the way, the diesel fuel surcharges, the fuel surcharges that were instituted between 2011 and 2014 still and always have existed ever since diesel fuel reached 440, 460 right. in that time frame. So companies have been getting paid for diesel fuel they haven't pay been paying for right. for nigh on a decade now. So nigh it's on. not diesel fuel, nigh on. <laughs> now, um, sorry, um, it, it's not diesel fuel that's that's causing this. It is unquestionably opportunism that is causing this. You can t tell because the the downturn in shipments and the incredible, unbelievable uplift, as right. you said, in in spend. Okay. So, Corinne, and your best Southern draw. No, I'm not kidding. I'm going to make, make you do that like Craig. Greg, so eloquently laid out. Your thoughts, though, on uh, for the freight markets, this report, you name it. Well, I was, I was um, happy to see that the Midwest and Northeast have recovered um, some of, you know, some of what they lost over Q1 and Q, you know, Q2 over the last three quarters. Um, and I also we're building think, cars again, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I also think we're we're heading in as we get further into Q3, we're going to be moving goods for holiday season. Um, so we're going to see increased demand, which is going to put more pressure on pricing and availability as well. So we do need, even though diesel fuel is not the full picture, the full reason, I think uh, Greg obviously knows a lot about that. Um, it, it is a factor. Uh, that Big is. Time is contributing to the shipper's cost to move those goods to market. And we're going to see that combined with higher demand again. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's just yeah. it's another thing that has to be modeled in your supply chain solutions to help right. you make the best decision available. More yeah. upward pressure. Yes. Yep. Right. And consumers will be picking up a, a lot more of the cost, far beyond diesel fuel. Far, I mean, going back to all, all kind, kinds of raw goods and their increase in pricing and the increase in activity, which, Corinne, you're pointing to. You know, Greg, a couple of the things we we spoke to last week on the live stream as we released you know the data and, and had the chat with Donovan and Bobby. You know, Port of L.A. and Long Beach both set records for the busiest month of July in their history. 
Speaking mm-hmm. of activity, also speaking of activity, you look at a variety of third-party uh, data points. Uh, manufacturing activity expanded here in the country, coast to coast, in all three months of the second quarter. So activity's up. Folks are getting ready uh, for the peak, 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 peak. Okay, Greg. And by the way, folks, again, y'all can download this for free. Um, it's it's a well written uh, report. Lots of good data. Um, it's it's um, you know freight usbank.com and you can check us out as we uh, the usually the day or maybe the day after it's released we have bobby on from bobby holland on from us bank and then a, a senior practitioner to speak to what they're seeing and sometimes greg it doesn't uh you know the data and what the operations are seeing that doesn't yeah. line up uh, a lot yeah, of times, right? but i gotta tell you this latest episode with donovan he really went deep on how they use it at clorox and i think it's worth seeing that particular episode not only because of the shocking nature of of because remember the last time we saw the um the freight index we were speculating on a freight recession and instead precisely the opposite happened in um, an incredible measure so i think that's worth seeing but also how donovan talks about how his company uses the freight index will give companies an idea as to how to use it yeah right well said. Y'all check that out, and uh, we'll have the replay of our live stream available very soon. Speaking of great content, helpful content that will put you in a better position and to make better decisions and grow and lead better, uh, let's, <laughs> Greg, let's talk about, Corinne, what's been going on at the award-winning, uh, globally recognized Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast. I've got the graphic from the most recent episode where you know, Greg and Corinne, uh, you know if there's a, already a best-of show, you know you've, you've, you've been around for quite some time. So, Corinne, tell us about the yeah. most recent episode and what's coming next. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. It's just been such a busy spring that we felt like we needed to pull out kind of a best of best because people have been um, super busy and lots of great insights. So I would encourage if you're new to Tech Talk, start here. And that might direct you to a couple of other episodes that you're interested in. And Scott, I would be remiss if I didn't invite our listeners to subscribe to Tech Talk. That's T-E-K-T-O-K, Digital Supply Chain. And you can find us with Supply Chain Now. Um, so lots of good things on the horizon as well in new episodes coming up with intelligence supply chain, the rebirth of Greg, are you ready for this? CEFR. So are you serious? Collaborative planning, forecasting and replenishment. I am seeing a reemergence of collaboration. So multi-enterprise collaboration. So some interesting insights that'll be coming through in that episode. That's fantastic. At least we're not reinventing the wheel, Corinne, right? I mean, we have a great, great framework in CPFR to build on from that vertical integration between companies. That's fantastic. So stay tuned. And that next episode will drop. Uh, when Does that drop this week or next week, Corinne? Uh, we've got a next episode dropping this week um, and then uh, on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. Wednesdays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays. So y'all check that out. You can get Tech Talk, T-E-K-T-O-K. Uh, digital supply chain podcast wherever you get your uh, podcast from and subscribe so you don't miss an episode uh peter bole it was great to have you here today i uh, appreciate your feedback here he says miss you all really needed to hear your voices and wisdom that comes with it peter you know i'm one of those speaking here right man 
He's lumping me into the wisdom ca- uh, uh, bucket. I love I that. Think you, I think you had probably the best observation <laughs> in uh, regards to a mess all that today. Yeah. Uh, well, this is a fun episode. Yeah. I shared with the world my love of Fruity Pebbles. So post. Oh, uh, that's let's too, talk. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I Greg, was thinking robotics, but of course. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, that. Corinne. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Greg and Corinne, a ton of uh, lots of good fun here today. The Tech Talk version of the Supply Chain Buzz. But Greg, before we we wrap up and Sophia, Hey, thanks for this comment. We've missed both of y'all. It's, yeah. Everyone's busy and it's, t- and, and everyone, there's so many different, uh, streams, podcasts, webinars, virtual events, in-person events, you know, it's all demanding of our time and attention. But, uh, Sophia and Peter, uh, really great to have both of y'all and everyone else in the comments, Muhammad and, and, uh, Jonathan and many others that were made great points. Russ, great to see you here today. But Sophia says, Peter Bollet, times two. I love that. Um, all right. So Greg, uh, one of the stories we talked about today was, was driven by one of your supply chain summaries that you publish every Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the mornings on LinkedIn. Is that right? That is correct. And guess what I learned from a friend of mine on LinkedIn. What's that? Uh, I, you can now enable an alert bell on your on your uh, profile, which I will do shortly. But in the meantime, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. You'll be alerted whenever I um, whenever I post these commentaries. I try to pick an article um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and give you some sort of commentary on it to maybe give you a different perspective. Maybe even sometimes it is deeply uh, tied to what the article is about. Sometimes it's just what it made me think about, like Corinne the take on the 11 technologies made me think about what, where we ought to be focusing our, our attention in the marketplace, right? In the supply chain arena on technology. And we'll be looking for our Greg White content bell. So, so we're holding you to that, Greg. Yeah. I'm going to figure out how to do that. I got to, I got to call my buddy. <laughs> well, Hey, what's important here and, and not just with Greg summaries, not just with Corinne's um, tech talk episodes is the voice of the listener, right, folks? Just like y'all did over the last hour, you you brought it. Whether it's on the fun side, of cereal, or or like some of y'all were dropping, uh, yeah. what leaders should be thinking about when it comes to digital transformation and change. That is why we're all here. So we want to hear from you more. We try to share that as much as we can. In fact, uh, Greg and Corinne, more and more, our team has been picking up the, the t-shirt isms that our listeners drop on these episodes, and we share those out across social. So uh, we want to hear from you, and we want to we want to uplift y'all's uh, perspective. But uh, you can connect with Greg White on LinkedIn. You can connect with Corinne Bursa on LinkedIn. Make sure you tune in to uh, their content, their episodes, and more. Um, Corinne, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you. It's great to be with you guys. Thank yeah, you to everyone who you. joined us. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And hey, one uh, quick comment here before we sign off, Glormar. Uh, says she doesn't get to listen to us often, but love the topics that she's interested in getting more information on the Veterans Career Fair. Glormar, check out Veteran Voices, which is our podcast led by uh, Mary Kate Saliva, focused on veterans' transitions, uh, topics, challenges, journeys, you name it. And reach out to our team at Amanda at Supply Chain Now, and we'll make sure you get the link for the event tomorrow. Appreciate you being here with us today. Okay. Corinne, on behalf of Corinne, on behalf of Greg, Amanda, Catherine, Chantel, Clay, the whole gang here, uh, thanks for joining us. First off, very important. Thanks for bringing your your voice. Uh, Greg and Corinne, always a pleasure to do this. But whatever folks take away from these conversations, Greg and Corinne, 
We got to challenge them. Hey, take action. Deeds, not words. Do good. Give forward and be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.